we thank God continually for when you've received the word of God, you accepted it not as the word of men, um, but as the word of God. He says, as it is in truth, the word of God that is at, effectually at work in you who believe. Right? So the word of God is effectually at work in those who lay claim to the promises of God by faith. Um, the Bible talks about the word of God in James and it says the engrafted word of God which is able to save your soul. Engraftment requires time. right? It requires a process. It requires, number one, a receiving, but secondly, time to provide the development. Right? Skin doesn't graft skin doesn't graft onto existing skin immediately. It, it takes time for the formation to occur. But going back to the idea of the text being the final authority, the reason why we want to go there is so that we see that it's there. That's what, that's what the Bereans did in the book of Acts. They checked and verified that what Paul was declaring was in fact in the Holy Scriptures, right? See, if the opinions of men, it, it, they come and go. Uh, it, you know, it's, some years back, uh, there was a famous statement, and it, it was YOLO, you only live once. I don't really hear kids saying that uh, very much today. <clears throat> you have... Uh, 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 um, what do they call them when you um, bestsellers, New York Times, and you know you have these um, contemporary ideas, and it's not long until someone else develops or critiques. But you know the best-selling book of all time has been the Bible. It's been reported that over five billion copies have been sold, and that's just during the time of the printing press. Right? Was it the 14 or 1455, I believe, the printing press, the Gutenberg printing press came out? I might be mistaken, but more or less, the idea is that the Word of God will endure for all generations. Right? The Bible says His Word is in the heavens. It's firm and it's steadfast. It abides, it remains. And along that line, I want to say this. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the Word of God is living and it is active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It says it is a discerner of the thoughts, intents, and motives of the heart. Right? <clears throat> it discerns. It reads. More than you reading the Word of God, it's a book that reads you. It reads why you do what you do. And the sins of your heart are laid bare. That's especially why during the, the, the during times like this in, in an assembly, as we gather together to sit under the preaching of God's word, your life is read. There are things that you go through and and Here's the thing, I, I want to say, I have to say this every now and again as a forewarning. It's not like I'm, you know, 
um, going around your life trying to scope things out, trying to figure things out, or like, oh, this is a good thing to to uh, say to this person um, because I know that they're going through this or whatever. No, far from that. The word, the, the Holy Spirit will convict you. The Holy Spirit will give me the words to say as the word is proclaimed, and it will feel like I'm following you around the entire week. And the reason for that is because God wants to say something to you. Do you know that the God of the universe is taking time to communicate something to you? Because He has a plan for you, a purpose for you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. You know, some, you know a lot of kids uh, today, they love their idols, their icons, or whatever they want to say, they refer to them as. <laughs> Um, whatever they want to refer to them as and you know their favorite singers and everything and um, but those singers those self same singers will not give those people the time nor day right nor the hour to sit down and lunch with lunch and hear their problems and they're making a profit off of their hard-earned money as People are throwing their money, and yet the God of heaven stooped down and became a, man, became a man to give his life's blood for you and I. He made time for us. And that God wants to speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit and through his holy word, right? <clears throat> and so with, with that said, I want to pray at this moment. I want you to join with me in prayer. <coughs> Last night, oh man, I was in deep prayer. I mean, the presence of God was so real, so precious, so beautiful. And began to empower me, begin, and I, I just had this wonderful communion with Him, intimacy with Him. And you know, it was amazing. <coughs> My wife told me last night after done praying, she said, I felt the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit as far back in the further room while I'm in the living room because the presence of God is tangible. The presence of God is real and it is living and He is alive. See, you don't have to see things to know that it exists. Logic is something we cannot see, and yet we affirm. The laws of mathematics we cannot see, and yet we affirm. There's a lot of things that we cannot empirically verify, we cannot observe, and yet are nonetheless true. And here's where you have to understand this. And Western thought and Western mindset has so impacted the church that they cannot understand this dual nature, this dual reality of both the natural and the spiritual, and how there is a convergence between the two, that the spiritual is no less real than the natural, and the natural is no no less real than the spiritual. And if all you see <clears throat> is in the natural, you will fail to see things in the spiritual. You will fail to see things that God wants to communicate to you. 
That's how come everything can look like it's going well in, in, in the natural and yet there is chaos in the, spirit, in the spirit realm. That's how come everything can look like there's chaos in the natural and everything be at peace in the spirit realm. And what's, what's happening is there's a conflict because the devil would like you to believe that X, Y, and Z is going on in, in the natural, that this and that is going on in the natural, when the complete opposite is occurring in the supernatural, when the complete opposite it is occurring in the spiritual. Let me give you an example, and, and we'll get to prayer. For, forgive me, I'm just, <clears throat> just kind of speaking, on, uh, just flowing here. Some years back when I had an encounter with a man who was possessed by a demon, him and I were like this. We were close. We were tight. Before I got saved, we used to party together. So we had no conflict with each other or anything, right? And yet, in my spirit, there was an alarm. I knew that something was off with him. And there was a demonic presence that had come. And I said this within my spirit. I said, this man's demon possessed. And then immediately after that, he manifested. Right? But in the natural, it was communicating something entirely different to me. Do you see? And this is where your spiritual ears and eyes have to become cultivated. So that you will be able to see where you need to go, the direction you need to go, where God is leading you. Because if not, the, the devil will try to manipulate and, and, and cause you to be rerouted. And it's 40 years in the wilderness and you don't know why you're still there. 40 years in the wilderness. You don't know why you're there. See, that's let, let me give you guys some principles. That's why someone can smile and tell you all the right words. And the Holy Spirit will say, that person is a viper. But Lord, they, they, you know, they, you know, they say all, how is that so? That's where we don't walk by what our eyes see. But, but that's the thing, is it has to be based off the, the richness of your intimacy with God. Because if, if, if those judgments are not made spiritually, you, you won't actually be able to see in truth, you will be a judgmental person, acting as if you see people for who they really are. Right? <clears throat> and so... With that said, for those of you that just joined First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 1, <clears throat> let's come to prayer. And I want us to join together. Let us believe. I, I want us to ask for prophetic unction, that God would speak to you prophetically, that God will give insights in the Spirit, that God will give you direction, that the Lord will break the, the strongholds of confusion and, and obscurity, and, and um, ignorance off of our lives to give us insight for for purpose and destiny. <clears throat> so, Father, we, we come before you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I already know that your presence is here and your presence is felt, O oh Lord.
God, I pray that you would give every single person in this group chat eyes to see, Lord, that it isn't just a man speaking his own thoughts, Lord, but that you, Father, join uh, by your Holy Spirit unto your word like Velcro. And God, I ask that you would anoint this message, that you would anoint my lips, that you would give me power. I pray that the, the sins of the hearts of the people would be laid bare. But I pray, God, that you would give them eyes to see, you would give them ears to hear, that you would give them direction for their lives. Father, I pray and I come against the enemy's tactics, Lord, that would try to thwart and try to confuse, to try to throw into confusion, to try to get them, Lord God, off course. Father, I pray that you would set them on course and that you would give them purpose, that you would give them meaning, you would give them a direction for what you want them to do, Lord. Open their eyes, Father. I pray for prophetic unction and prophetic declarations. Father, I pray, God, right now in the mighty name of Jesus that every chain, every stronghold will be broken. I pray right now, Lord, for the blood of Jesus, Lord God, to cleanse us from all sin and to lift us up, Lord, through this message. Holy Spirit, I pray that, that, that you, Lord God, would uh, bring low every thought and that you would help them, help us to take them captive. Help us to take every thought captive, Father. And I pray, Lord, that we, that the devil will not throw the dust of time in our eyes and blind us to eternity. God, give us, Lord, ears to hear. Heighten our spiritual understanding. Heighten our spiritual ability to see and to hear. God, I pray for those that are dealing with depression. I command that depression to break. I pray for those that are dealing with anxiety. Father, I pray that you would dispel anxiety. I pray for those that deal with low self-esteem, God. I pray that you would speak to their spirit man and that they would find hope, they would find faith, and they would find love in Jesus Christ and that the joy of the Holy Spirit will overflow their hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory amen. to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I feel the presence of God. The Lord <clears throat> wants to speak today, and that's for sure. When I was praying last night, I um, it's not every day that you experience the depth of God. You, you know he's present, but there's those times, and my, my wife was saying when I was praying in tongues last night, my tongues changed. And and I, I knew that I, I had reached a, a, a dimension in the Lord that, that elevated me, uh, that, that gave my prayer wings, wings of eagles. And that's, you want to stay there. It's kind of like Peter, James, and John. They go to the Mount Transfiguration, and they're enveloped in God's glory, and then and then the Lord says, but we got to go down. We can't live here in this glory. We got to go back down. And there's things that we got to accomplish. And you know that there's some of you right now that, that you are in a valley. You, you, you may have even just experienced being on a, a mountaintop. But the Lord told you to go down in a valley. And a valley represents lowness. You're low. You're not high with emotions. And, 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 and a lot of the times there's conflict and there's battle 
in those valleys. The, the Bible often describes the valley, uh, uh, the valley as the the valley of the shadow of death, right in Psalm twenty three. It's it's not the desired place to be. It's not where you want to be, because it's accompanied by uh, warfare. It's co- accompanied by conflict. It's accompanied by a number of things, right? But it's necessary. It is necessary to go through those valleys because you will not appreciate the mountaintop experiences if you do not go through those times. And it's in those times that the Lord begins to provide you with character uh, character development. He sanctifies you. Right? He'll cut off resources. He'll cut off stuff. He'll cut off people he'll cut off things and and, and as a result you, you have no other option but to look to him during those times hallelujah but let, let, let us read first peter chapter 5 verse 1 and the word of the lord reads to the elders among you i appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of christ's suffering sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed let me give you guys a little bit of context here so these Christians are going through a lot of suffering. They're going through persecution, right? Um, I said jokingly in my stories last night, I said just because you got a stubbed toe don't mean you're going through spiritual warfare. (laughs) What I meant by that (coughs) is we ought not to be dramatic. Not every problem in our life is spiritual warfare, not every problem ought to be interpreted as a problem as a warfare sent by the devil. I remember some years back there was this um <laughs> I'm sorry. Um I was I was in church and there was this older lady she said she was doing laundry and stuff and um and well, she ended up uh, almost falling. And and what happened was she ended up blaming it on the devil. And I said, no, you just need to not place your laundry on the floor next time. That's what I was thinking in my head. And she said something like, not today, devil. And I'm like, no, I think you just need to be a little bit more careful next time. You know? But the point, though, is this is that there are there is warfare nonetheless and these christians were going through a tremendous amount of suffering <clears throat> and let's say that this is spiritual warfare they're battling it's fierce it's very fierce some of them lost their lives some of them lost their possessions, right? And if it were not for the grace of God, they would have collapsed and faltered and failed and backslidden and, and have backslided. It has to be the grace of God that keeps such people. But he says this encouragement to them. He says, we're acquainted. So he's saying to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. So in other words, there is a glory to be revealed. There, there was the, the suffering aspect of Jesus Christ 
But do not be mistaken that there is nonetheless a glory that after this life has transpired, after we've gone through all these things, there is something to look forward to, and it is the glory of God. And it's this very thing that those who have done the persecuting against the church will not be able to see. You know, it's a favorite song. I always tend to sing it for some I don't know why other songs don't come to my mind. But it just tends to encourage me every time. It says, it won't always be like this. The Lord will perfect that concern in you. And sooner or later, it will turn in my favor. Now, obviously, you know, I'm not no Marvin Sapp or Fred Hammond. I wish I was. <laughs> I'd be singing a whole lot more. So I'll spare you my, my, my lack of ability to sing. But the idea, though, is I want you to focus on is that it will not always be like this. Glory, the God of glory has an eternal weight of glory stored up for you that when you attain it, it will far outweigh everything that you've ever gone through. Every time you've been rejected, every time you've been ostracized, every time you've lost, every time you've suffered, every time you have gone through problems, every time you've been up late at night because you're suffering from depression, every time that you've experienced setbacks, every time you've experienced hardships, every time you experienced a difficulty in exam and you didn't think that it was worthwhile, every time you opened up your Bible and you didn't get anything and you felt dry, the Bible says that there's an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs everything that we have gone through hallelujah thank you jesus thank you lord he says be shepherds of god's flock that is under your care watching over them not because you must but because you are willing as god wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. There's not much that I want to say here, but the idea, though, is God has provided shepherds here in this context to help feed and to help protect, to help encourage God's people during this time, right? And but But the thing here that you have to take notice of is that there is a proper position that the sheep ought to respond in relation to those shepherds if they are to receive the greatest benefit that God has for them. And it says that they are that the sheep are under your care. Under comes from a Greek word, the sub, which means where we get the English word submarine, right? To come under, right? That doesn't imply the sort of you know, um, um, authoritarian sort of, I don't know what you think of, I don't know if you're thinking of, you know, um, maybe a, a king, a supreme, you know, here are my subjects. You know, it's, it's not that. It's a loving relationship where God in grace, graces and empowers such persons to help oversee, but you have to be over someone and, and the over means there is an under in order to help protect, right? And so this is a grace. This is a means of grace that God has provided for the church 
for the church's benefit. And we'll see how this relates to this other idea. And and we're we're going to get to spiritual warfare here shortly. But I, I wanted to point that out. Number one, that they're going through a lot of stuff. And when I say stuff, I mean the heat is really turned up. I mean, in this context, people are really losing their lives. You know, it it, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like Paul got like a tag on Instagram and some knucklehead John the Baptist wannabe is blasting him, trying to witch hunt for every so-called false teacher, saying you know that Paul the Apostle guy, you know, yeah, you know he's a false teacher. You know, I'm blasting him and then putting him in his stories and tagging him. I see a lot of those witch hunting, you know, Christians always doing that stuff. It's nonsense. Um, I'm not saying that there isn't a place to call people out. But what I'm saying is it wasn't, you know, just those little pesty religious flies. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I really interpret the pesty religious flies. It's like, stop. Come on, grow up. <clears throat> Um, but he, 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 um, if I'm not mistaken, Nero is, 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 is reigning at this time as emperor. And so Christians are experiencing hell in Rome. Okay. But there's a community of faith that is still holding on, not because they're so strong, but because there's a strong and mighty God. There's a strong and mighty God. And and my prayer is that you will be empowered and you will be filled with the grace of God to endure like these faithful Christians did as well. But it says, verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. So in addition to the means that God has provided for the empowerment and the equipping of God's church, even during times of suffering, suffering namely pastors and but above that there is a chief shepherd who shepherds the shepherds and who is faithful who knows all and knows how to corral us into his loving arms who knows how to keep us who knows how to provide for us who uh, enlivens our hearts when we're on the verge of spiritual death right He's a chief shepherd. Who, the, the Bible says he will gather in Isaiah his sheep into his arms, into his bosom. That speaks with regards to intimacy. You know, before the Lord had saved me, I had a, you know, hardened persona, and I loved looking stoic-like I, to show. You know, it's a fleshly thing, but how hard I was and stuff like that. Uh, But when the love of God had come into my heart, that was all removed. You know why? Because the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus made me long for intimacy with the living God because he's that real. And he softened my heart. He softened my heart. And he softens our hearts. He gives us a new heart. Where you don't have to be hard to endure. You just have to be intimate with God. And he will be the one. 
He will be the one that's hard for you. He will be your fortress. He will be your shield. Right? He will be that. Hallelujah. But yeah, I remember <laughs> when I first gave my life to the Lord. Uh, uh, you know, I, I always get happy every time I think about this because it's that real to me. <clears throat> the first time in my life I had a joyous smile. And I remember telling the brothers, I remember, I, I mean, it was my only reference point for what I had considered happiness. I got saved at an altar call. The chains of sin broke off my life. And I remember I was there weeping for about an hour as the presence of God began to fill my soul. And afterward, I began to, I said, bro, I, I said, this is far better than every drug I've ever snorted, popped. I said, it's better than the women. And I, I said, I love Jesus. I'm alive. I passed from death unto life. It wasn't in my head because moments, uh, an hour earlier, I see kids doing the same thing. And I said in my head, I'm not about being fake. I'm not going to do something that isn't real. I'm not going to contribute. It has to be real. Because as far out as I was concerned, <clears throat> I was enslaved to having a murderous heart, a violent heart, a lustful heart. And I was enslaved. I was in chains and in bondage. But when the power of God came and I knew in an instant that everything had changed, I knew it was real. And since then, never doubted the power of God. And it's that power, I pray, is imparted to your soul. It doesn't matter how much we know about the word, doesn't matter how much um, how much we've experienced as a Christian doesn't matter if we've grew up as a Christian. What matters is this, is that men and women would come to the chief shepherd and begin to say and pray in desperation, O oh, great shepherd of our souls, begin to corral me, begin to shepherd me, begin to protect me and empower me. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Verse 5, it says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. <clears throat> All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Or as it really is in the Greek, He gives chadis to the humble. That is to say, He gives grace. <clears throat> See, what grace is, is empowerment. That's why Paul can tell Timothy, be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. He says to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, but we're empowered by grace. Right? That is what grace is, is the empowerment. That's why Paul can say, I labored more than them all, and yet not I, but the grace of God. Right? Christ Jesus through me, his grace empowering me. Right? But here's the thing that will prevent you from obtaining that grace. He says, 
notice how he's saying that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble and he's connecting it with the idea of humility and submission. Because the opposite of humility and submission is pride and the Bible says he opposes that. He stands he is in opposition to whatever you do in pride. And when God stands in opposition to you, it is not God empowering you. Do you see? The way of the master has gone through the avenue and the path of humility. And if you are going to live with the empowerment of God's grace, he is asking that you do the same. And I've said this before, but C.S. Lewis said that humility is not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. I posted on my Facebook recently, I said, do you want to know a good way to know if you're proud? Let me ask you, when was the last time you were wrong and you admitted to the person who corrected you? It's not enough that you just recognize you're wrong, because a lot of times people know that they're wrong, but they don't want to admit it. Like, I ain't going to let that person know. Heck no. And pride is already marinating in your heart. It wants to give you a little nice baked, you know, uh, uh, meal of good inflation, good arrogance. That's what it wants to bake for you. Man, people be playing games for real in the church. They want to play little competitive religious games. And and get into a comparison thing and 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 um <clears throat> you know and, and you guys gotta be careful. For real. You guys gotta be real careful because I've seen it. I, I I've seen it time and time again, sadly, you know, you, you would like to think it's only in the world, but it's in the church as well. The the pride and it's so subtle. It's so subtle. And, and and that's you know the sad thing is um there's a, and this has been my experience and I'm not saying I'm not directing this towards any any brothers or anything like that but in my experience a lot of men will refuse to hear from other men because they don't like the fact that that it's coming from another source of masculinity and they will fight tooth and nail to admit this brother stands correct or this brother is called of the Lord. And I'm saying not me personally, but I'm saying just generally speaking. Or even sisters will 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 fail to listen to other sisters because they don't like another source of femininity. You know, I have to say amen. You can you can say ouch in your heart. <laughs> The shoe fits. If the shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> but I, I'm being serious, and you got to cut that out. You got to snip that out, because it's not a matter. It's not a matter of you know what the person looks like, where the person is from, what gender they are. It matters that God is God using them. 
is God using this person? And I've, I've, I've had in my experience older men try to fight against me and oppose me, discredit me, undercut me, and all that nonsense. And time and time again, I said, Lord, you know. And I would humble myself before the mighty hand of God. And just like David will exalt David's in the presence of competitive and jealous souls. Ask me how I know. <laughs> These things have been tried. If you humble yourself before God, he will elevate you above uh, anybody. It doesn't matter what their legal position is. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter where they're from, how much money they got or influence. If you humble yourself before the Lord, he will cut people down right before your face, before the faces, before, uh, and he will elevate you above your enemies. You know why? Because you keep him first and not your name. You're more concerned about his glory and his name than you are about yours. Do you see that? You can be the weakest man or weakest woman in the kingdom. And if you put God first, he will cut people right down before your face. I've seen it time and time again. But he will also cut you down. That doesn't mean he'll cast you to hell. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he'll allow you to eat a mud pie. <laughs> he'll allow you to fall on your face and say, are you ready to be humble now? Son, you ready to be humble? Stop. I don't want to have to spank you again. You ready? You done? Let's get going. Pride is a sure way to provide you with setbacks. Pride only postpones your destiny. That's what it does. It just postpones your destiny. It postpones you fulfilling the plans and purposes of God in your life. And you know what? There's suffering, there's pain in God's plans and purposes. But I will assure you this. It is the most satisfying thing that I've ever had is to know that I'm dead sinner in the will of God and that the Lord is affirming what I'm doing. Amen. <clears throat> but it says, God opposes the proud but shows grace to the intellectual. He shows grace to the beautiful. He shows grace to the strong. He shows grace to those who know the whole Bible. Oh, let me see. He shows grace to the humble. To the humble. To those that are meek. He says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand. You know, the Lord's pinky is stronger than your entire body. And he can just... Just go bloop, and you'll fall under pressure. Lay prostrate before the presence of the Almighty. And that strong and mighty hand will lift you up. But if you humble yourself, he will compress you down. 
For every man who exalts himself will be humbled, and every man who, every man who humbles himself will be exalted. And here's the thing. I remember heard said long ago, you cannot be right with God and treat people like trash. So while in theory we would love to say I'm submitting to God, but when a brother says, yo, says right here in the text, in a loving way, I get people saying stuff in arrogance and being belligerent and, and abrasive and they're being just snobbish. I get that. It's like, yo, I don't really like you, male man. You smell like trash. But if, if a person comes to you in love and says the text says this, man, I'm just I'm looking out for you. You have a decision in your heart. That if what the, what is being said is aligning to what it is in truth, that if you reject such counsel, you're rejecting the Lord. You're refusing to submit unto Him. For after all, the Bible says we are His hands and feet. Right? If you've done for the least of my followers, you've done unto me. And we could parade ourselves for, for fasting and doing all these things and feel so pious and holy and say, Oh God, I thank thee. And, and even throw a little bit of, um, you know, mess up our hair so we could look extra spiritual. <laughs> like, ooh, look at how spiritual I am. I looked all somber and disheveled. Ooh, look it, I'm even listening to Paul Washer. <laughs> look at how spiritual I am. Nudging every Christian that comes by. Ah, but if you cannot receive correction, your spirituality goes right out the window. I've seen it time and time again. And that's what I want to drill in us. Is because I've seen when people have been administered the truth and they reject it. See, the devil will set in and say, who is that person? Don't listen to them. And then immediately seeds of destruction are sown into you. Seeds of destruction. Because at the heart of it, it's, it's a root of pride. And pride, as we know in the book of Proverbs... Always comes before destruction. Haughty spirit before a fall. <clears throat> Those people don't last long. They don't. <laughs> you know, my wife was talking about, because for the longest I would receive, I would allow people on my Facebook that would just talk trash, undercut me, and she said, for the life of me, I don't understand. Why don't you just block those people? Why don't you just delete them? This was some years back. There were Christians always hating on me. <clears throat> and I said, well, it doesn't matter what the, where the source comes from. If what anybody says is true, I, I want to listen to my critics. I want to analyze, see if there's anything that they say that might be aligned with truth. If I'm always surrounding myself, those that can say amen to me, then it's probably because I'm creating my own little sphere to I can so I can have everybody affirm what I want them to want them to say yes to, right? 
That doesn't mean just, you know, make friends with everybody and listen to anybody because all opinions are not equal. They're not. But what I am saying is this. If you don't ever, ever entertain the, the, the criticism of your enemy, ever, then it's probably because you're, you're shielding yourself from any possible correction. But nonetheless, let's continue for, further. He says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So there is a time, there is an expiration date for your humility. We're always to have a heart of humility, but what I'm saying is that humble position, that low position that you're in, there's an expiration date to it if you will just endure. Because in due time, there is a due season. There is a specific time that God says, enough is enough. I'm going to raise up my servant. This person has been in obscurity too long. You know, Charles Spurgeon said, you cannot keep a humble and gifted man in an unknown position for long. You can't do it because he has the two requisite things and it's gifting and it's, it's humility, it's character and it's calling. And you cannot remain in such an unknown place for too long until God says, I'm going to exalt you to where I want to get you. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. So this applies to positions. This applies to your suffering. It applies to everything. The Lord does not allow his servants forever to remain in humiliating positions. Look at Job. Look at the humiliating position he was in. And yet the Bible says in the book of James that remember the tender mercies of the Lord that the latter end of Job was greater than his former. But did Job gripe and complain? And Well, he did complain, but then he would come back to his senses. He was kind of like bipolar. Like one moment he's praising God saying, oh, I know my Redeemer lives and on the last day I will see him. And the next moment he says, oh, cursed be the day of my birth and the, the year wherein I was formed. Why did I not become shrouded in darkness? Why were there needs to receive me? And why was I not a stillborn child? For the stillborn are better off than the living. And trouble comes unto man as surely as the sparks fly upward. So he was swinging back and forth like a pendulum. But at the end of the day, nevertheless, he did not accuse God of wrongdoing. And yet Satan's over there on the sidelines prodding him, saying, Blaspheme God, insult him, insult your maker. And he even accused Job to the Lord, saying, This man, he's going to renounce you. Look at the hedge of protection you set about him. Surely he will curse you to, his fa to your face if you remove everything. But Job had come to learn of his own self and had come to know more of the Lord after that time. Right at the end, he claps his hand over his mouth and he says, I've spoken too soon. He says, I've spoken too soon. The Almighty began to question Job and says, where were you when, I, when the heavens were thrust into the sky? Where were you when I set a boundary to the waves? How unsearchable are the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Right? 
And we, with our puny brains, always try to formulize God, try to put him in a little theological box, to try to put him in a little cute box with a nice little bow on it and compact it and say, here's, here's my little concept of God. I love it. Right? And God will, God will do things that will surprise you. Right? God will do things that will surprise you. He will offend your mind to reveal your heart. That's when you try to intellectualize God. That doesn't mean God is anti-reason or anything like that. But he, 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 He's above it. And so if you cannot understand what God is doing in your life, understand this. That He is the maker of heaven and earth. And His wisdom is far greater than ours. His ways are above our ways and His thoughts are above our thoughts. Right? I know that for those of us who have lived long enough as Christians, give it a, three years and you'll look back and say, Ah, I see what the Lord was doing. Now I see. I mean, you know, you the, it, it's interesting, our arrogance, right? How often have our parents, with their earthly wisdom, have told us things? And as during our teenage years, we thought we're all that. Y'all, I know what I'm talking about. Right? When they said, oh, they're not not really your friends, mijo. Or whatever they would, you know, however they would address you. Like, no, they're my homeboys. Or they're my homegirls. You know, they're my ride or dies. And then after high school, they turn their backs on you, right? And then they say, what did I tell you? Yeah, yeah. You're right. But if that is true for our earthly parents, is that not true for the Lord? Right? But it says, verse 7, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. See, the devil wants to paralyze you and cripple you with anxiety and depression and fear and uncertainty and doubt. But it accomplishes nothing. It accomplishes nothing. And your wheels will turn and turn and turn and turn. And you will be stuck in a rut. The Lord wants you to take all those problems and cast it to Him. You know, I I was told some time ago that in in the Greek there, it it was the same term that was used to describe Peter's casting of of the net. So it implies of a casting with force. You're thrusting it off of you. Right? It's like in a wrestling match. You want to slam somebody. You're getting off all that weight off of you, right? Well, we need to use that force and to cast every care, every anxiety, every fear, Unto the Lord. 
Why? Because he legitimately cares for you. He cares. He cares. He cares. <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of people that don't care. There are some people who do care, but they don't got the strength to help. They don't have the ability to help. This is not the case with the Lord. His hands are not tied. And his heart is not lacking in his care for you. He loves you. <clears throat> God loves you. I want to say that again, and I want you to believe it. God loves you. No matter what you've done, that doesn't mean that he accepts it. doesn't mean he condones it. God has a legitimate, tender love for you. Even if you can barely stand yourself. He gave his life for you. His life's blood for you. <clears throat> That's the only thing that has changed this sinner's heart, man. That is the only thing that has changed this heart of mine. And I know it is a living reality. I don't preach out of my head. I don't live out of my head. I cared nothing about rules. I wanted nothing to do with religious rules. I don't want that. I reject that. But when the love of God appeared to this wretch, he revolutionized my heart and I fell madly in love with Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do to you. He wants to reveal the Father's love to you. Hallelujah. And I'm going to say something very uh, that's very sensitive, but some of you have been touched. Some of you have been, forgive me for such graphic language, but some of you have been molested. Some of you have been abused. Some of you have been mistreated. And you don't know what love is. But God wants to break through all that trash, all that nonsense, and get directly to your heart and speak those words and say, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You might say, but I've sinned, I've failed, I've fallen, I'm a mess, I'm a wretch, my life is in shambles, I don't like myself, I hate myself, I want to die, I don't want to live any longer, but God says, I want you to live, I have a plan for you, I love you and I gave my son's life for you, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, the Holy Spirit is moving on your hearts. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is moving on your hearts. Some of you don't know what it is to have a father. Some of you don't know what it is to have that strong fortress that masculine, tender love from a father. And God wants to reveal that to us. Hallelujah. 
And the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. He'll speak death over you. He'll speak lies over you. He'll say you're hated. He'll say you're trash. He'll say you're a nobody. He'll say that your life is long gone. There's no more hope for you. Just give up. And he'll keep berating you. He'll keep harassing you. Keep tormenting your mind. And he wants to beat you into a fetal position to where you cannot get up any longer. But the Bible says that if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will, he will lift you up in due time. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. He has a plan for you. Man, some of the times where I thought I couldn't make it, and yet God would come with His love. He would come with His grace. He would come with His mercy. And He would whisper to my ears. And He would begin to say, Son, I love you. I love you no matter what you've done. I'll clean you up. I'll give you a hope. You can make it. You can make it with my strength. You can make it with my grace. Don't go back. Don't go back. Your father is on your side. He doesn't stand against you. And the devil will say, you've heard that too many times. Like the song says, you're the God of a second chance. <laughs> He forgave me seven times, seven times, seven times. You're the God of a second chance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You may have fallen 77 times. But the Lord keeps no record of wrongs. You'll forgive all your sins, wash them to the depths of the sea, never to be brought up again. The Bible says in Micah 7.19 that who is a God like you that forgives sin, who pardons sins and hurls all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea, you will again have compassion on Jacob. It says he delights to show mercy. He delights. He delights doesn't reluctantly show mercy. He delights in it. <clears throat> you might say, my sin is so great. The Lord says, I delight to show you mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray, move on their hearts. Move on their hearts, Lord. Move on their hearts, God. Draw your people back. Put a fire in their hearts. Holy Spirit, begin to woo your people. The Father's heart is crying out to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Oh, I love that. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus right now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you right now. Only trust Him. Only trust Him. Only trust Him right now. Say it one more time. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus right now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you right now. He's a mighty deliverer. He's a mighty deliverer. You know, I love that. I love that portrait of that man who's holding a hammer in his right hand and he's holding nails. It's implying that he put Jesus on the cross. And there's what appears to be an appearance of Jesus holding him with nails, you know, holes in his wrist and blood coming down his forearm. And Jesus is holding him, the man who pierced him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Some of you, you're crying at this moment and you're wondering why you're crying. God is moving on your heart. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that wants to clean you. Wants to clean your slate. Wants to give you another chance. <clears throat> God, just move on their hearts more. Ask for more, Lord. More. Reveal your love. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you can't sleep. Trouble that night. God wants to heal that. Be alert and of sober mind. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to your people. Pray that you guys get breakthrough. Be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. We're almost, we're almost done here. <clears throat> In other words, keep your senses intact. To be alert means 
I'm aware. Right? Be sober-minded. In other words, don't be intoxicated with what this world provides you with. Do not be intoxicated or infatuated with certain ideas, even good things. Because it, it, it won't, you will not be in tune. Let's just put it that way. Be alert. Why? Because there's an enemy of your soul. And he is seeking to devour you. You're not alone. You're, you're not alone. You don't have to fight this on yourself. So don't fret. Don't allow yourself to be hopeless. Peter doesn't say that the solution to the roaring lion is to therefore be hopeless and to give up in despair. He says just be alert and be sober minded. Don't be intoxicated. Don't allow yourself to consume too much to where your judgment is impaired. You can't see right anymore. <clears throat> In fact, uh, um, I believe right now the Lord is convicting one of you about your drinking. I'm not asking for any confessions. But know that the Lord is speaking to you about sobriety. Got to get rid of that. That's not for, that will not make you a healthy Christian. And that means smoking and it means drinking. <clears throat> but it says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Resist him. Resist. Elsewhere in the scriptures it says resist him and he will flee. Doesn't mean he will permanently leave you. Because how many of you know he returns and he comes back? He really does. If he can't get you like a lion, he'll come dressed up as a handsome man. He'll do that. Or he'll come dressed up as a beautiful woman. I'm not saying that he'll literally possess someone, but I, what I'm saying is he'll whisper to people and say, hey, go that person's way. Or he'll come to you in different... He'll, he will appeal to your appetite. But if he can't ensnare you there, he, he, will, he will roar and intimidate you. He'll threaten you. Right? You will either fail by pleasure or you'll fail by intimidation and suffering. <sighs> <clears throat> or here's another attack he will con he will act like he's god and in he will speak lies to you and say god said he'll say you're condemned you're going to hell and he'll be like oh uh did i do that <laughs> or where's that from it's like from a movie or something Oh, Steve Urkel, did I do that? <laughs> I don't want to trivialize it, but I don't it just came to my mind. But he will do that. He will lie to you and say God said this. That's exactly what he did with Jesus in in the in the, the wilderness. He said, It is written, right? 
it is written. He kept throwing the Bible at him, but Jesus countered whatever the devil said with what the scripture said in truth. But it says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So you know what he's saying in other words? This suffering isn't unique to you. You're not the only one going through this. And the devil will lie and say, oh, there's something really wrong about you. Yeah, everyone goes through suffering, but you know, you're kind of like really jacked up. You're the only one going through this. You see how like anti-logical that is? How that's not statistical? There's how many billions of people in the world and you're the only one? (laughs) Do you see that? It's called delusion. He'll put a blanket of lies over you so where you're no longer thinking sensibly. But you know where it begins? Not being alert and sober-minded. <clears throat> but it says resist him. And you know how you do... De- it's like weightlifting. You're bench pressing. And there's resistance, right? There's resistance. But how do you... How do you develop your ability to resist? You keep exercising. You keep enduring. But specifically in the place of prayer. The Bible says in Jude, it says, Building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I believe it and I've said it many times. It's one of my favorite maxims. No man is greater than his prayer life. I was telling my wife last night after I got out of prayer and I said it's sad because, you know, there is someone that I know and they would go out and they would evangelize and, you know, they, they got hit really hard. They got hit really hard. And now, you know, they're suffering, you know, and and it, it hurts my heart. But the point, though, is this, is that regardless, whether it's evangelizing, whether it's, you know, uh, resisting temptation, it doesn't matter. You have to be built up and fortified. See, if you're not, you're going to, you know... <laughs> You know, brother Brandon. Uh, you know, he 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 loves going to the gym. You know, he. Uh, I don't know how much you bench, bro, but I'm sure you get the idea. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty way stocky guy. But um, if you're scrawny and thin, and you, you're not gonna bench 500 pounds. There's no way that's gonna happen. I don't care how much faith you got in yourself. I don't care how much you wanna you know walk up like that and. You know, have your protein and your creatine and get a little shake on with your protein, right? Ah, you know, you can yell all you want. And I've seen a lot of that in the gym. Those guys yell like they're, they're all big and bad. They're like, look at me. It's like, bro, stop it. You're insecure. Stop. Don't nobody want to look at you. We're all here for ourselves to get bigger, right? So, but the idea is this, is it's not going to happen, You got to pray. But what I was telling my wife is this. If the devil comes with resistance, 
Because let me say this, he will vex your soul, he will try to harass you, he will try to torment you. If but if you cannot endure in prayer which shall which should be pleasant and wonderful and glorious as you commune with God, how can you resist when the devil comes and assails you with every attack? That is why it is so important that you develop your spiritual muscles in prayer because if you cannot endure in that which is glorious, how can you endure in the day of evil? Do you see that? <clears throat> and of course, the Lord in His sovereign grace and protective care will smack up devils no matter how weak you are and, and come through for you. Right? You're almost going to get ripped to shred by some lions and the, and the Lord smacks them away. But the point though is this, is sometimes you're going to go through unnecessary falls and heartaches and headaches and hardships and difficulties and, and harassment from the devil unnecessarily if you don't first master yourself in the closet time of prayer. Build yourself up. It is work. It is work, but I'm trying to teach you guys something. This is why I keep harping on this. And I won't stop until the Lord gives me assurance in my heart that all of you are really praying. Because <laughs> I, I, it's looking out for us. You need to be a fortress. You need to be strong in the Spirit. Where the things that used to move you, they're not moving you anymore. The lies that used to move you, they're not moving you anymore. And you know what? You can be strong for somebody else. Because you got, you, you've tapped in to the, to the dimension of grace. You're able to obtain greater sources from God. You're drawing all the grace from Him in prayer. Trust me. You know, it was, it was wonderful last night. I was praying and I, I began, I, 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 uh, it got hot. I, I began to break a little sweat because of, of my, and that's not to boast or anything, but I'm, I'm trying to make it attractive to you. It's like, well, I don't want to sweat. Trust me, you do. When the Lord's presence come on you, you want to sweat. Because his purifying fire and his and his that grace that overshadows you is irresistible, and there are greater depths in the Lord that can be had. So do not adopt this idea that you have experienced all of God that there is to experience. Well, I hope I was praying in your dream, brother. <laughs> but. Um, coming to a close, resist him standing firm in the faith. That's how you develop faith. That's how you develop faith. Faith comes by hearing. I'm going to say something controversial. Faith doesn't come by reading. Necessarily. You can hear the voice of God in your reading. But you don't necessarily have to read to hear the voice of God. It's called the rhema. There's the reading of the logos, that is the actual literal text, 
But then there is a rhema, the voice of God, that he speaks to your heart. That is what transmits faith. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. Right? It doesn't say, he who has eyes, let him read what the text says. That is necessary. But more than that, you will have to have a tuning ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. And you know one way he speaks to you? He puts a check in your heart. He says, don't go there. Ah, 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 that's the wrong person. Don't be dating them. I know they, I know he looks six foot and fine, but the brother ain't got no spiritual spine. <laughs> I'm coming. He looks six foot and fine, but the brother ain't got no spiritual spine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're dashing some idolatry today. <laughs> hey, but on the side, there ain't nothing wrong with being realistic. Like, the brother's fine, but, or the sister's beautiful. That's not, it's not lust. There's a difference. But <clears throat> make sure who they are in the spirit and who they are in truth is more attractive than their appearance. Attraction matters. I'm not, I don't care how. You, know, you can try to act holy all day you want. But it kind of does matter. You know, that, that doesn't mean, you know... You, it's everything, but, you know, the Bible does, you know, the Bible says David was a handsome man. The Bible points that out. Right? Exactly. So make sure that their spirit man looks as good as the actual container. Is the content matching up with the container? Because if not, they're a dead corpse. Don't matter if they look like Kim Kardashian or whoever. They're a corpse. You know, let, let me just say one last thing about that. <clears throat> you know, the interesting thing is this, and I don't know why I'm talking on this, but everyone wants to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Says they, you know, they do this, they, they, you know, find, you know, they sew fine linen. The idea is that, you know, they're, they're an integral person. They're righteous. They make good decisions. They labor hard. But the Bible says her husband stands in the gate among the elders. So you know what that means? That if you're a Proverbs 31 woman, that means you're pointing out and accepting and marrying the right man. You got spiritual eyes for spiritual people. Ah, that's the hard one. Now, obviously, you know, if you, if you, when you didn't have such wisdom before, you've married someone and you're currently with someone, and you have conflict, that's a different story. I'm saying, by and large, if you're currently now claiming to be Proverbs 31 woman and you're single and you're, you're, you're picking out trash, 
You ain't Proverbs 31. <laughs> You're like, go back to Proverbs 1 and do some reading in the introduction. <laughs> Maybe you can get to that 31 sometime. I'm, I'm not trying to be facetious or, you know, belittling. But I'm just trying to add a little humor to the sting. You get what I'm saying? <clears throat> so... I love that the Lord the Lord will lead and you know messages will touch on that touch on this touch on that there's a reason for that because he wants to speak to everybody <laughs> yeah, you know maybe maybe you need to go back to Genesis or something <laughs> like maybe you actually need to pick up a Bible. Like, do you have one? <laughs> have you read it? <laughs> Some people are like this. Uh, uh, uh. I'm getting a little sweaty right now. My my palms are sweaty. Mom spaghetti. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. <clears throat> last verse well last two verses and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong firm and steadfast to him be the power forever and ever amen so he's not the God of some grace or most grace. He's the God of all grace. What's, what's going on with me? <laughs> this is joy of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh, but the God of all grace. Who's called you. That's the thing. He's called you. Wherever the grace of God has called you, the grace of God will keep you. <clears throat> Amen. Wherever the grace of God has called you, the grace of God will keep you. And what will he do for you? Despite that roaring lion or that devil, that arch foe of yours, despite his little, you know, BB gun tactics... The God of all grace, <laughs> like that, huh? It's like trying to shoot BB guns at a tank. <laughs> I'm not the tank. The Lord is the tank. It says, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you suffered a little while, not forever, not a long time, after a little while. It says, will restore you. And the beautiful thing about restoration, when it's restored, the value of it is worth more than it than at first. When cars are restored, they end up being worth more than they were originally. So this God of all grace, He will restore you after you suffered a little while. Not He will think about it. Not that He will pray about it. Let him, let, let him check his schedule. He, he'll see what's up. 
He will, <laughs> he will restore you and make you strong. Right now you're weak, but he will make you strong. By your strength? No, by his grace. He will make you firm. You know, the interesting thing is the Bible tells you to be firm in the faith. And yet the Bible's telling you it will provide you firmness. That's because he adds and he multiplies firmness upon firmness, strength upon strength, glory to glory, faith to faith. <clears throat> and steadfast. In other words, you remain. You keep enduring. I like what Brother Malachi says. He said, "You gotta kill me. I, you gotta kill me. I ain't going to hell. <laughs> I don't know what you're gonna do, but you you better. Do, you know th that's the only way I'm going back is you just kill me. <laughs> We're already established this. I'm not going back, right? We're staying steadfast, but by God's grace, by God's grace, we'll stay." Tis grace that has brought me safe thus far, and tis grace that will lead me home. Amen. So let's let's close in prayer. 